please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Hello and good morning. It's Wednesday, the 7th of April, 2021. Now, as ever, if you wish to listen to this edition of Morning Espresso in a different language, you can do that by selecting uh, the language from the button below. So there's a drop down menu. Just choose that and uh, everything will, will be translated immediately. We also have a Q&A button, so you can send us questions along the way, but you can also always send emails to nordiafunds at nordia.com. Great. Right, this morning we are going to start off uh, talking to Sebastian Gali, who many of you will know is our resident senior macro strategist. Good morning, Sebastian. Good morning. Hi. So, Sebastian, um, Last Wednesday, before the Easter break, we uh, had another announcement from Joe Biden, uh, another stimulus package. So perhaps you could bring us up to speed on that. Sure. If we put it in context, we had already a $2 trillion fiscal package, an emergency package. And what he promised us is two follow-up ones. The first one is based on infrastructure, about $2.25 trillion. And the second one is about human capital or human infrastructure, which should be at least $1 trillion. We don't know yet, but it's probably going to be something like $2 trillion also. If we focus on the infrastructure program, which was just discussed yesterday by the president, the program includes $600 billion for transportation, $650 billion for other initiatives, such as high-speed broadband, 180 billion on research to catch up with China, 400 billion for the elderly and disabled, and it also it tackles climate change. So a huge fiscal package spread over uh, eight years, paid over 15 years by rising taxes on the corporates, moving from 21% to 28%, and a minimum uh, tax on their global earnings, uh, which is in line with the OECD negotiation, which says that uh, you they need to tax more efficiently multinational. So it's uh, an impressive fiscal package uh, following on uh, another one, and uh, quite a huge boost for the US economy. Exactly, and don't forget everyone, uh, we have our global listed infrastructure strategy, which is run by CBRE Clarion. Um, I've been keeping a close eye on, on this asset class, and we've seen a lot of flow come in uh, very recently. So performance has been good um, over the shorter term. So I think this is just another thing uh, which, which gives wind to this asset class. So. Um, I thought it would be worth mentioning that. Aside from the stimulus, we've also seen a pickup in the economy in the US. And I just wondered if you could just say a few words about what we're seeing there right now. Sure. If we focus on the chart, you can see basically that uh, the number of uh, diners or the number of people going to dine has been steadily progressing. And you can see that on the right-hand side of the chart as it steadily moves up. So as we reopen the economy, people are being re-employed. 
in leisure industries such as hotel restaurants and the likes and means more people are able to consume people who have accumulated a lot of savings uh, suddenly are feel confident enough to start spending uh, and the, the boost to the economy is quite considerable so we're very optimistic regarding the u.s economy going forward more so than the european economy which is going through some uh, more severe lockdowns particularly in italy as well as in france and of course uh, the danger also is there for germany yeah, we had a lot of announcements last week, didn't we, with uh, France going into more lockdown, Germany. Uh, yeah, not a great situation. I think the UK is perhaps interesting because, of course, the vaccination programme there is rolling out as well. So let's see what happens uh, to the UK as well. Right, we have uh, a summary slide. So uh, if we could just pull that one up and uh, we'll quickly touch on the, the two main points uh, from this morning. First of all, we have uh, more fiscal packages uh, in the US and they're quite sizable. So uh, the danger, of course, is whether this is inflationary. Yeah, of course, it could be inflation in the short term. And this is essentially what you're seeing in the U.S. Treasury markets. Yields are going higher. Uh, the curve is uh, steepening. But ultimately, what we're going to discover, uh, not in a month or two months, but six months or 12 months down the road, is that actually you can have a tight labor market with low unemployment rate and yet relatively tepid wage growth. So inflation is simply won't uh, show up, uh, even though that is the current fear in the market. For now, it has huge implication to U.S. Treasury curve. Of course, also that has impact on growth stocks, but I think it's going to reverse in the second half of the year. Exactly. And that sort of dovetails with, with the second point, which is as the US economy starts to open up, you, you mentioned their diners, but I guess this is happening across um, other industries as well. As we get this, this pickup, um, we're remaining pretty much focused on, on more value oriented um, stocks, but also cyclicals. Yeah, they should do well. They have been doing well. They should be do well. There's a, a lot of fear because uh, this is relatively new. There has been a, a long, long, long period of underperformance. But as the economy tightens, as all these savings become consumptions, uh, then so the cyclical side, the value-oriented uh, companies should uh, continue to do well. They're yeah, cheap. I think I Sorry. Oh, they're cheap. I think that's one of the key points why they should do well. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was just going to say, um, I saw in, in Q, Q1, value has had its best performance for, for a long time. So uh, that's definitely one we need to keep a, a close eye on. Great. Well, thank you for joining us uh, this morning, Sebastian, and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. So now we move to the main section and today we are talking about governance and so who better to have with us today than Eric Duran who is the head of corporate governance here at Nodea Asset Management. Good morning Eric are you there can you hear me? Good morning I can thank you for having me. Hi so Eric I thought it would be really important from the outset to mention that Nodea takes um, an active approach to corporate governance. And that's something that we're going to sort of dive into this morning. Um, but perhaps before we do that, could you uh, introduce us to the team and also, you know, the work that you do? Of course. Active ownership is something that Nordea Funds takes very, very, very serious. Um, we are one of the biggest owner in a number of companies. And we are also I think I think we have about 3,500 companies in our portfolios on, on, on a normal day. And having so much ownership in, comp in companies really demands responsibility from us 
to be a proper owner in the companies that we invest in. Uh, so we are right now two corporate governance specialists in, in this team, and we oversee everything from EGM to proxy voting. We are spokesperson, uh, spokesperson in, uh, in, in the media when it comes to corporate governance related questions. And we are the one point of entry for all you know, corporate governance related issues from the, from the media, from our clients, from prospective clients, and of course, from the companies that we invest in. And also something we do, uh, we, and that we are represented in nomination committees. And that's something we will come back to because that's a very special Nordic thing that exists, that exists up here. And where you actually uh, help name the, the board of the companies we invest in. And more than that, we support proper governance by being members uh, of, of um, um, industry organizations and international networks in corporate governance. So, I mean, being an active owner isn't, isn't something new. I mean, it's been around for a long time, but I guess with more and more focus being put on ESG, it's something that you know, clients are looking to us uh, more and more in terms of representing their needs and wishes. So mm -hmm. I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about the evolution of what you're doing and also perhaps some of the projects that you're working on right now. Definitely. Historically, Nordia funds have taken a, a quality approach. We have, in, we have engaged and, and voted in our most important holdings. And how you define what is the most important holding is, of course, in the eye of the beholder. Normally, we have looked up how much we have invested in, in euros and uh, or how big we, a large part of the company we own. For instance, if we are one of the biggest owners in a company, and we are actually the biggest owner in a number of companies, uh, then you need to take special responsibility. But all in all, this mythology has led us to maybe vote in about and engage in about 700 companies per year. But we have come to realize that that is not enough. We need to do much, much more. So what we've decided to do from 2021 is to greatly expand our, our, both our voting and our engagements uh, to cover a much larger percentage of our total por uh, portfolio of, of companies. That is, you know, on any given day, more well, in the several thousands. So wow. uh, from 2021, we're greatly expanding and taking much, a much broader approach to vote globally and engage globally. So this is a project that we run for, for a couple of years. I think we will come very far already this year. Uh, so yeah, it's something that we feel strongly about and we, I think is really positive. And it's also the way the industry is moving. It's interesting, you mentioned a, a couple of points there um, that are of interest. One is that, of course, you know, we're a big asset management firm and um, have a lot of AUM. And I guess the company holdings that we have are global. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just in the Nordics or in Europe. It, it literally is all over the world. And I'm guessing that there's big differences between the way that corporate, corporate governance is run in the various countries. I just wondered if you have some examples of that. Oh, definitely. Corporate governance differs greatly. I mean, I mean our home, nor home markets is called the Nordics. We have we come from a Nordic background. And in the Nordics, we have ownership-led nomination committees. And what that means is that it's actually the owners that decide who's going to be nominated to be on the board and then decided by the annual general meeting. And that mm -hmm. is that's a Nordic-Swedish quirk. Uh, and we are represented <laughs> in, I think, in a normal year about 40 to 45 nomination committees. So that's something we take very, very seriously. And I'm, I'm in myself, I mean, usually in 10 every year. But, and, but in other countries, there are other kind of quirks. I mean, in the US system, for example, um, CEO pay is usually much more extensive than it is in, in, in the Nordics or, or in Europe. And you also see 
uh, remuneration programs that are, are, are much larger. Uh, and that's something that's a little bit unfamiliar from a Nordic asset manager, but something that we have to take into account when we vote there. And we use external um, external proxy advising firms to advise us on, on, on national codes in different countries. Uh, yeah. So when you vote in China, you have a more understanding about the Chinese corporate governance culture than maybe you, you would uh, would otherwise. Yeah. So, but I mean, we have global reach and we vote in more or less every country uh, that we have holdings in today. There are some countries that are more complicated to vote in others. Brazil, for example, is a classic example of a country that is really hard to proxy voting because of the, the power of attorney requirements. But mm -hmm. we strive to vote as in many markets as, as possible and for as many companies as possible. And, and I think we're going to reach quite, quite a quite good number uh, in, the next, in the next couple of years. And we, we already have a very high number, but I mean, even better, maybe more or less everything. That's the goal. Because it, it is, it's impossible to, to get 100%, right? I mean, that's not... It, it, it is really hard. It's, it's really yeah. hard to get 100% for technical reasons. Uh, and also because, I mean... There, there, there are many different reasons why it's hard to get go to 100%. Specific markets could not um, accept your power attorney, so you miss a specific vote in, in one specific company. Uh, the company can can send out materials too late. It could be many many different reasons. Yeah. So when it comes to voting, you know, what are the main drivers behind your your voting decisions? We have a we have a corporate governance uh, principles. Um, mm -hmm. And as you see on this slide, it covers a quite extensive number of, of, of areas. It's about 20 pages, and we recommend everyone to go and, and read it because mm -hmm. it more or less outlines what we believe in. And, 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 and this is a living document uh, that always, always develops with, with the trends uh, and, and what's, what's in, not in vogue, but what is, what is, what is um, the movements in the market right now. Um, so you can say we have one set of global principles, but we try also to be adapted with the local markets. And it's more or less divided into two parts. What we do and why we do it, and what we expect from the companies we invest in when it comes to transparency, for example, or when it comes to how we want the capital structure to, to, to look, uh, how we want uh, what the board of directors should look like and level of independence, and rough guidelines how remuneration programs should be, be structured. Um, and of course, I mean, if we ask the companies we invest in to be transparent, we also have to be transparent. So we try to keep uh, our voting portal, which we will discuss in a second, with our votes as updated uh, as we can, just to give everyone a complete understanding on how we vote and why we are voting in that way. And anyone from client to company to the media can always just call us and ask, why did you vote in that way in that specific company? And we will always have an answer for that. Yeah. And so presumably, you know, when, at, when you go to the AGM, the management will have proposals and sometimes you'll be voting in favor of, of those proposals. Sometimes I guess you're voting against them. So I just wondered, how do you deal with those issues, those conflicts, you know, and, and what sort of issues does that create? I mean, we, we talk to companies almost every day. Um, sometimes we talk to, to them in, in, uh, before the AGM uh, or, or, or any other on any general meeting to explain our view and why we cannot support a particular position and what we need them to do to be able to do so in the future. So that's something we do almost every day. 
especially during the, the voting season, which we're in right now. But then we have ongoing engagements together with the responsible investments, for example. And, and there are a couple of issues that we, we, we continue to engage on almost every year. And mm -hmm. you see a couple of examples on the slide here. One share, one vote is classic. We believe that we should generally, we should strive for when you, when you, when you create, they shouldn't create dual share classes um, when you create new, new shares because we generally support one share, one vote. It's, I mean, for us as owners, that's a good way to making sure that we maintain our, our ability to affect change. Um, we, when it comes to capital mandates, we, we, we like um, EGMs, we like um, extraordinary meetings where, where, where the company explains why they need to heavily increase the capital base um, in, instead of over giving really big discretionary mandates to the companies. And we also strongly believe that capital mandates should be renewed annually because you never know what happens in the markets or with the company over extended period of years. And, and, and in some countries, it, it's more or less the norm to have much longer capital mandates than one year, which is something we usually don't like that much. And chairman the CEO combination. In generally, we always think that the CEO and chairman of the board should be two separate people. The most important job of any board is to oversee the CEO and top management. And therefore the CEO and chairman should not be the same company. And of course, that's the standard in, in certain markets, which is why we have that discussion with the companies in those markets. Yeah. So when it comes to transparency, you know, we, we try to be as transparent as possible. And uh, I think you mentioned earlier that there are a number of different places, in fact, that you know, people can go to, to to find out how we're voting and, and what's going on. So maybe you could just give us a bit of insight as to where we can find more information. The first place you should, anyone should go to is our transparency portal, because there we showcase all the votes we have done uh, historically, and they're usually logged within, well, 24 hours or 48 hours after they've been cast. Um, so that's where you see the slide in the middle. Here you can look at aggregated statistics, you can look at markets, you can look at geographical, I mean, whatever you voted in, your, in, in a specific, specific country, for example. And then we also do a corporate governance report uh, that we put on the portion, uh, which we explain uh, more general trends we see for this particular season, and also list some really important votes and why we voted in the way we did. And of course, uh, you should always read the, the Nordea Responsible Investment Annual Report, uh, which we have, um, we have uh, one or two pages about voting and aggregated statistics on our voting uh, to, to, to see. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that annual report just came out a few weeks back. Uh, I think we mentioned it last week on mm -hmm. Morning Expresso, and uh, maybe we'll, I'll mention it again at the end. But um, yeah, you, you part of that report is, you know, some of that input is, is from you and your team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, ESG, environmental, social and governance, those three things have to work together. I mean, the responsible investment team is separate from my team, but we still work extremely close together. If we do an engagement in a company for, for example, we don't believe that the, the, the board is strong enough, then of course we want to have input from, from, from our responsible investment team to understand if they see any other issues in the companies we can bring up at the same time. So it's very often we do engagements together. Um, and I think that's, I mean, that, that can be quite a powerful tool to have different kind of expert in different, different fields doing engagement together uh, to really affect change in a company. 
Yeah, it's, it's a good point you bring up because you're not part of the responsible investment team. Um, obviously, people that watch this regularly will know that we have this autonomous responsible investment team that provide um, ratings, our own proprietary internal ratings on mm. different companies. Um, you're not part of that, but a lot of what you're doing is in parallel with what they're doing because you can affect change, can't you? Through voting, through representing um, our partners and our end investors, you know, effectively what you're doing is, is changing the way that the company operates eventually. So those two are, are, are very closely aligned as well. They are. The reason why, why what we have this setup is that the corporate governance work is done by my team on the behalf of our unit holders. Um, and to me, is make sure there's no conflict of interest. Anyway, we have we have this, this setup where the corporate governance unit acts on behalf of the unit holders independently. Uh, and is also overseen by corporate governance committee, which, which is a board committee made up of the external members of the Nordea Funds board. Um, we think that's a really good way to maintain uh, or to make sure there's no conflict of interests uh, anywhere. Two separate organizations, but we work extremely closely together. Yeah. Great. What I'm going to do, uh, I have a key takeaway slide. Uh, I'm just going to go through that quickly now, and then I'll ask you at the end if you've got anything you, you'd like to add, any closing remarks uh, before we sign off for this morning. So, um, yeah, if we look at this, this slide, first of all, you know, we, we like to take an active approach to corporate governance. Not everyone does, but we here at Nordea do. And we do that because we believe that, um, you know, good ESG practices in our holdings is an important part of um, the long-term interests of, of shareholders and society as a whole, in fact. We'll continue to develop our voting and engagements uh, in line with our own high standards. You know, that's, but that's something that's evolving all the time, as we mentioned earlier. And then we have this one set of uh, global principles when we come to, to voting, and that's divided into two parts, um, you know, what we do and why, and then what we expect as well from the companies that we invest in. So those are two important uh, guidelines that we have there. And then finally, you know, our activities at the annual general meetings can be seen on the voting portal. And um, you can find that on nordea.com. When you go to nordea.com, which is our, you know, the, the main website for the group, um, there's a sustainability tab. If you click there, sustainable business and investments, then you'll find um, the corporate governance page there. And that leads you through to that voting portal and a bunch of other stuff as well. So um, that's a great resource there. Anything to add, Eric? I think one, one really important aspect that, that we already talked about, but I'm gonna mention it again, is that when you are a low, large owner of, of a company, like we are in many, very many cases, you have a responsibility towards that company. And therefore you have to talk with the company uh, and be in, in the mud and understand the dynamics they, they exist in. Um, and we do that. We, we, we talk to companies almost every day, um, not only around the AGM, but also uh, any part of the year to understand, explain to them why, why we want them to follow our corporate governance principles uh, and, 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 and what we expect the company to do. And in return, try to understand why they take the decisions they do when it comes to the governance. So, I mean, having open dialogue with the companies is something that we, is really important in active ownership. Great. Well, on that note, um, 
we'll wrap up for today. Thank you for joining us, Eric, and uh, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Great. Well, um, next week, Wednesday, the 14th of April, we will be talking to the portfolio manager of our global disruption strategy. Now, of course, that's a theme that's very much of the moment. So don't miss out on that. As we mentioned in the main section, uh, we have also recently uh, released our responsible investment annual report for 2020, uh, including that part from Eric, but also all about our ESG engagements and what we've been up to for the last year. It's a super interesting read, so please do go and take a look at that. Of course, you can always go and visit the Stay Alert microsite at nordia.lu. There you will find all of the previous interviews that we've done. And we also change those and make them into podcasts as well, which you'll find on the same page. That's it for this week. Don't forget to visit nordiaassetmanagement.com and see you next Wednesday.